You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I'm sitting down with the very beautiful, very talented Jamie Lynn Sigler, or Jamie Sigler if you don't know her, or maybe you do know her. That's right, Meadow from Sopranos here. We're going to talk about our lost love that she gave up for Mark Sanchez, the quarterback for the New York Jets. Why she chose him, I don't know, over me. Living with multiple sclerosis, uh, what it's like being the daughter-in-law of legendary New York Met Lenny Dykstra. He signed an autograph jersey for me, by the way. Um, complicated man. Inside of you is sponsored by ADT. Uh, ADT is a security system, alarm system that I have at my house. I've had for many years that I've lived here, and uh, I've never gone to anybody else. You're all about protection at home. Yeah, well, you know, I have a bat next to my bed and a dog, but I, I, I want an a alarm bat? system. Like a no, not vampire? a not an animal. It's oh. not very funny, but you know what? <laughs> it's uh, it's what's great about ADT is now they can like install things and, and design your house the way you want it, so your security system could be just designed for you. Yeah, and you don't have to be a scaredy cat like Michael to no, man. to get... want an ADT system. It, it's just extra protection. They could set up custom automations unique to your home to do things like lock your doors, change your thermostat, close your garage door. Technology is just pretty amazing. It is. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices, security features like indoor, outdoor cameras, locks, lights, garage door control, even video doorbells. And you know what? They're really reasonably priced. Like, I can't believe how inexpensive it is to have such an elaborate uh, you know, alarm system throughout your house and do all these great things and all these functions that ADT provides. Visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. ADT.com slash smart. Now let's get inside of Jamie Lynn Sigler. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. I used to say my son looked like Susan Boyle when he was little. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute now, but he looked like yeah. Susan Boyle when he was not Nothing against Susan Boyle. But. Don't you hate when people are always like, oh, my God, look at my baby. And you're like, holy shit, your baby's fucking ugly. When he came out, I, I looked at my husband and I was like, oh. You got to be honest, man. I hate when my friends are like, hey, what do you think of my baby? Isn't he cute? I'm like, if I close my eyes. <laughs> I mean, hi, we're here with uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Thank you, Jamie, for allowing me to be inside of you today. You're welcome. Thank you for being inside of me. Well, let's see how it goes. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Jamie Lynn Sigler. Mm-hmm. Lynn. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there was like this fad. I don't know if it was a fad or if it was like this this time period where everybody started using their middle names, yeah. like Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. I think I came in that time. So you, is that the reason you went with a middle name? To be perfectly honest, I was uh, only like 15 or 16, and my mom was making those decisions at the time. So she thought, Jamie Sigler is kind of boring, sweetheart. I think so. Let's go with the Jamie Lynn I think so. Sigler. Correct. <laughs> and it, if I could change, I mean, I guess I can change it. I mean, it's really up to me, but I would, uh, Jamie, I, like anytime I go on a new set or anything, they're like, what should we call you? I'm like, Jamie. Please. Jamie. Jamie Lynn just feels so formal. Jamie Lynn, could you come on set, please? Wait, my hair's not ready. Exactly. No. It no. sounds a little. No, you're you're not like that at all. No. Michael Owen Rosenbaum. See, it doesn't work. No. It's like, my name's so Jewish and so long that I just want to get through it. And somebody goes, "What's your name?" I'm like, Michael Rosenbaum. Well, you have enough syllables, I guess. Yeah. Like Jamie Sigler's, like felt like it ended too soon, maybe. Yeah, think of it like a movie. This summer, 
Jamie Lynn Sigler mm-hmm. is, right? I but think if, that's where my mom's head was. Is that where her head? Because exactly. she wants, right, right. And <laughs> if they were like, this summer, Michael Owen Rosenbaum. <laughs> way too long. <laughs> Wasted way too many too seconds long. of that preview. Too yeah. long. Should I have gone with Michael Owen or Owen Michael? I think Michael Rosenbaum is perfect. I think you're really sweet and you're a liar. No. You're a fucking liar. You Jamie. could tell. You'll be able to tell if I'm lying. Really? As this interview goes on. <laughs> I don't consider it an interview. As it's this like sit down. Two people hanging out, catching up. You know you know how we met? How? I'm asking you. No, tell me. I have it. the worst memory. Another were, okay. new thing you'll learn right. about me. We met at game night. Yes. No, I didn't know that. Night. I thought you were going to say Not gay night. Else. No. We, we could have met there, but you know. For sure. I've definitely frequented enough gay nights in my yeah, life. Yeah, we but all it was, have. Oh, you have? I mean, I, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. Sure. I'll go to a gay bar. I'll rage it. Sure. They're great. You know? yeah. Great time. Oh, you know. Game night, though. Yes. Game night. I do I do know that. I for, saw, for some reason thought you were going to say something else that I didn't remember, and I would feel bad that I didn't remember. Yeah. But I, di- I would have said game night. I have night a lot of those, really... Jamie. A lot <laughs> yeah, of those nights too. I forgot. <laughs> well, you know. But uh, yeah, game night. In Hollywood, guys out there, in Hollywood, people would get together for a while. It was like this thing, this mm-hmm. fad to, to to play a game called Mafia. Mm-hmm. Look it up online. But like everybody would come over. Like James Gunn would come over and you would be here and we'd clean you know, up. And it was an, an intense game. Yeah. I would mafia. feel really cool that I was like part of like a, it was. Like a mafia crew. And I'm pretty and then sure. I, I feel, but I've been feeling, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. I've Always been feeling come. the past couple of years like uncool because it's definitely clearly still going on and I'm just no longer invited. Is that what's that, happening? I don't think that's true. I've only had like one or two game nights in the last few years. Oh, good. That makes me feel a lot better. I think it – I have some I them. water for you, by the way. Did you see that? I did. That's well, not it's even like a, special water. It's special water. It's it's hint. They just give it to me free. They don't. They uh-huh. don't but they don't give me any money or anything, so I just drink it. It's really good. It is good. Isn't it refreshing? It's just it is a, refreshing. just a hint of peach. It's, it's literally a hint. Just a hint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, game night. So I recall like being attracted to you at some point. And I remember you sort of like acknowledging me. Maybe you were just being nice. No. But I remember like, oh man, she's really cute and she's got her shit together. And I didn't care that you were previously married and <laughs> all this stuff. And I was like, man, I, I, you know, I should go out with a classy girl like Jamie. Lynn Sigler. And I remember we text a few times mm-hmm. and I was like, Hey, we should hang out. And you're like, totally. And then the next thing I know you're married. Well, uh, there was like, there was like an, maybe one relationship in between. Maybe two. Maybe two. We'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. We could. We Sure. But yeah, but that, but that was true. But there That's was, there was a moment. There was sure. a moment. There yes. Was a moment. Yes. And then I think I left town for a while yeah. and then I. To get away from me. <laughs> Not I've at got all. to get away from Well, this we guy. were on like a good run. We were all hanging out like a couple of nights a week almost. Yeah, it was it, the mafia game was intense. It was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. You were I remember a good mafia because you were just okay. the thing is in the game you're like if you're mafia you're out to kill all the townspeople. Mm-hmm. And you just look about it online, look it up and she was mafia are bad people in this. And you were really good cuz you're so sweet and you were just so I couldn't read you. And I was like, "No." I'm not going to kill her. She's too not. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you'd come back and kill me because mm-hmm. you were the mafia. Mm-hmm. You grew up in New York. I did. Did you love it? Tell me about New York. I grew up on Long Island. Jericho. Jericho, Long Island. Is that a rich area? Uh, half were and you half. rich, no. Jamie? No. It was all mixed, it, it, which was nice. Public schools on Long Island are great. So you get kids from all walks of life, at least in our area. I loved it. I had two older brothers. I was um, a huge tomboy, so there was always like a ton of sports for me to play. But I did like musical theater as well, and there's like a pretty solid 
community theater scene on Long Island (laughs) that I was able to um, interject myself in. And so I was playing sports during the week with my friends and then doing plays on the weekend. What plays? How old are you at this point when you started? Nine. And and how did... How did they know, your parents know, oh my God, she's got something? I So I was in a musical theater class with a bunch of friends and uh, they had a sing and I sounded what? like, okay. What was the song? <laughs> it was Dumb Dog from the movie Annie. And I really feel like I sang it like, dumb dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty video. sure there's a video like floating around in my house somewhere that my mom needs to convert to uh to DVD. But you were on key. You were I on, was on key. Right. Yeah. So I started taking singing lessons and stuff like that. And then my first show I did was Sound of Music at the Plaza Playhouse. Were you the lead? Well, I was one of the kids. Oh, yeah. You were a child. Yeah. How could you play it was the nine. lead? Yeah. Was weird. I couldn't play <laughs> the governess. Yeah. That'd be real. The Hills Are Alive? Yes. That's it. That's the one. Did you sing that? No. Well, the lead the, did. The lead did. Yeah. I sang Do Re Mi and stuff like that. Right. So you started doing this and your mother's like, oh my God, this Jamie Lynn. Yeah, kind of. Wait a minute. It wasn't Jamie Lynn Sigler then. It was just no, Jamie. it was just Jamie Sigler then. Just old Jamie Sigler then. Mm-hmm. And so she started taking these classes and you were singing and. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was doing good and I started, you know, getting some leads in plays and, um, but I really feel like even when I started Sopranos later in life, not to fast forward too quickly, but I, I really feel like I got such a balance of a normal childhood because I was still in high school on Long Island while I was filming Sopranos. Like I didn't ever feel like uprooted from my normal life with my friends while I was seeing if this career would work out for me. And your mom, was she pushy at all? She was not pushy. She was very supportive. I mean, I mean, she drove me around everywhere. I mean, I did summer stock theater, driving eight hours to this theater in Pennsylvania and driving me to auditions all the time and sacrificing, you know, fortunately my brothers were five and eight years older than me. So by the time I was like 11, 12, you know, they were in college and senior in high school. So she could do all this kind of stuff with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, she gave up a lot of her own time with my dad and just her own life just to see this dream. Don't you think that as a kid, you're just ultimately like, kids are more confident? So confident. Like what happened to that confident kid that I was? One thousand percent. If you, any audition, they'd be like, can you go on toe shoes? And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Anything. Sure. And I would be like, mom, go buy me toe shoes. I'm going to fake it. And I did. And I got it. Now if someone said toe shoes, Jamie Lynn. (laughs) Fuck you. No. (laughs) Fuck right off. Yeah. Yeah. Negative. Now you were, uh, your dad was a real Jew. Yeah. Like Sephardic Romanian. Yes. Yes. You've done your research. Well, I have Wikipedia, but, um, my grandmother is Romanian Jew. Really? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know a lot. I'm I'm a bad Jew. I'm a good Jew in that I hate Nazis. Sure. You know, we all should. Yeah. Everyone, everyone in general. Yeah. Everyone in general. But, uh, I grew up in Indiana. Once we moved from New York, I went to Hebrew school for about a year. And I went to Indiana. My dad didn't like the the rabbi there. And that was it. Right. So I don't really know about religion that much. So now when like Tom Arnold or my friends invite me to like a Seder, I yeah. talked about this before in the podcast. I, I get scared. I don't know anything about the religion. You grew up pretty Jewish. Uh, I mean, I was bat mitzvahed. Um, All right. Let me hear something from your Haftorah. Torah. Baruch uh, I did sing every Rosh Hashanah at my temple for a couple of years after my bat mitzvah, but um, we were somewhat reformed, I right. guess. 
my mom converted to Judaism in order to marry my dad. Like his, she loved him so much. She said, "I'll be a Jew." Correct. But deep down, she didn't really like it. Well, she grew up like super Catholic in Cuba. I mean, it's a very different life. But you know, I went on birthright when I was twenty six, which was really cool. And wait, wait, what's birthright? That's uh, Israel. Yes, you go to right. If you're between the ages of eighteen and twenty six, and you have any any Jewish blood in you, like at all. You get a free trip to Israel when you sign up. But it was an incredible trip. And I feel like that was probably the most the most I've ever done to honor my Jewish heritage was doing that trip. And I just went to Israel a couple of months ago again. But I don't know. Here's the thing for me. I, I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves on being like good Jews or not good Jews. And I think that religion itself, is, it should be whatever it needs to be for a person. I don't think there should be rules on like how – to be religious. So you're just saying sense. you ultimately just be a good person. Agree. Yes. But we have Shabbat very often in our house, but Shabbat to us, we there people are Jewish, people are not. Spell Shabbat and tell us what Shabbat is. S H A B B A T. Great. Shabbat is actually just like a tradition. Um every Friday night, it's like phones are off, TVs are off, family and friends come to your home and you just talk and you know conservative Jews observe Shabbat until Saturday night and there's no electronics and there's no anything. It's just your That's home. actually genius. People don't do that anymore. Why but don't I we have... Agree. Why don't you do that with your with your kids? We you're, do. And that's what I mean. There's nothing kid, religious sorry. about it, but he loves when we have Shabbat, which is usually like twice a month because it's just cool people coming over and we sit around and he's running around and we're playing music and we're just talking. He gets to stay up really late. And those are the kind of memories that I want him to have That's growing awesome. up. So yeah. to me, I see people can look at me as like a bad Jew, but I feel like I'm being a good Jew because like, it's just about, like you said, being a good person and being around good people. Yeah. I miss those days where there wasn't really instant gratification in the seventies and eighties. And look, everybody loves their electronics. We all like, right. you, you could FaceTime your grandparents. I FaceTime my grandparents in Florida and I'm like, uh, Irvin Blanche, they're adorable and I love them to death. And it's nice. Technology is amazing. Yet... There's something to be said about what did we do when we didn't have it? We Mm -hmm. sat around and we talked and Mm -hmm. we played games and we got to know each other and we laughed for hours and we had a few drinks and now everybody's, oh, look at this video. Look at this. It's just like. Even eight years ago when we were doing our game nights, we didn't have phones like this. And none of us were on our phones. Mm -hmm. We were playing mafia. No one, even when you got kicked out of the town and you got killed, like no one was on their phone. Yeah, It wasn't. We didn't have it then. We have a thing, like it's not Shabbat, but it's uh, Shirozenbaum, I call it. Mm. I just made that up. But uh, we'll be at lunch and we'll just, uh, everybody's phones on the table right now. We'll be at the, uh, the good neighbor restaurant or something and we'll just put the phones in the middle. Great. And we'll all have a nice breakfast. I like lunch. that. Right? Great. I think that's important. Me when too. was your first kiss, Jamie? I was 12. Was, was there, were there tongue? Was there so tongue much. Involved? There was. Uh, yes. And it tasted tongue. like wild berry Skittles. I'm going real specific what? for you. What was mm-hmm. his name? Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly had Skittles breath. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, I was younger. I think I was 11. Mine was Meredith Kramer and she kissed me on the playground. Like really kissed you? Are you talking about like a mwah or enough, like a Enough make that out? I boned up in fifth grade <laughs> art class. I'm like, oh, I'll take the zero. Do you remember feeling like, oh, fluffy? Yes, yes. Did you taste the rainbow? Yeah, I did. Exactly. Do you miss Kelly? What's his name? Brian, Brian <laughs> no, Kelly? No, I don't think about art him Kelly? often, to be honest. You don't? No. Never happened again. Never kissed him again after that. Oh, no. Yeah, we were boyfriend-girlfriend for a minute. We made out like for a whole summer, I think. Was it one day his breath wasn't Skittles fresh and then I don't know why we broke up. Are you in a good breath? Sure. That's really important to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I don't want to be near my husband until like w- like we've both like washed up in the morning. Like he doesn't <laughs> care, but I'm like, let's just like take a minute and then yeah. we can, you know. I I agree. Let's let's do a little flossing. Let's brush. Yeah. Let's be fresh. It's just sexier. It's, it's right? fresh. It's yeah. I, I'm glad you feel that way. I do. I'm glad you feel that way. You were around how old when you got your first manager and things started to take off? Uh, I was about 13 Gosh, when I got so my young. first manager. So young. But I was just doing theater then. I always thought I wasn't pretty enough to be on camera and that I just was different because the only thing I auditioned for like other than theater stuff was commercials. And I remember they always the feedback was like, we don't know what she is. She's not all American. She's not Latina enough. She's not this. So I just like, I thought I just wasn't going to fit in a box ever. Did you have an anybody. accent? I had a terrible You really had an accent. Give me an example of how you used like to I talk. Like I would walk the dog. You would really talk like yeah, this? Yeah. That's like, how Oh I my God. When like, I go home, it starts like, I just start getting lazy you jump a little bit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I got my manager then. And then by the time, so Sopranos, I was 15 when I auditioned. 15 years old. Come on. The audition came along. I assumed it was musical because of the title. The only thing I was told, it's a show called Sopranos and they're looking for a 16 year old Italian looking girl. And I thought, well, I could probably pass for Italian and it takes place in Jersey. My accent would work perfect. The real reason I went in for it was because all my friends went to sleepaway camp growing up and I never went. Why? Because I was always, like, doing theater and stuff. And right. I and I also think secretly my mom, like, didn't want me to go. And it was expensive. And I don't think my parents could really, like, afford it. So they always had excuses why I couldn't go. So finally I was going to go and be a CIT. I was going to work at 16. And this audition came along. And I was like, you know what? I'll go because I wanted to go shopping in the city for camp. And I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I went in. I read the scene, left, never thinking anything. And then I got a call. Was it an intense scene? It was a scene where Meadow was fighting with Carmela about wanting to go on a ski trip. Uh, very, I was very familiar with fighting with How my mother. How did you feel so. about the audition? I honestly, I never in a million years thought I was going to get it. So I, I just, I kind of read it like I didn't care, which was That's Meadow. Always the best. Which was Meadow. And which is essentially. Meadow, yeah. I we didn't have a cell phone then or anything. So my brother like beeped my mom or something to call <laughs> and was like Jamie's manager left a message. So you remember you could call your answering machine oh, and yeah. like play. And she said, Jamie has a callback for tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I went back again, it was the same scenes with David Chase this time, who, again, I didn't know who he was, didn't know anything, did the same Being thing. Being a kid, you don't care. Yep. Got called back again the next day to read for producers. Now there was like all the little AJs, you know, Anthony Juniors and all the Meadows. And then I, next thing I know, I, they're asking me to screen test and it was down to two girls. And they told me I was too tan. So I had to like I was putting like retin A on like my hands and my face, like oh my trying God. to like pale You're myself up. Sixteen years old. Yeah, I turned sixteen right when, before we shot retin-A, the pilot. Retin A makes you white. Apparently, that's what my mom told me. I just okay. listened to what my mom said at that time, and I remember I was like, it was like so hot out, and I wore long sleeves and jeans, but I got it. You got literally. it really. Yeah. And you didn't know how big it was or you, it was going to no. be. No, I mean I was so excited that I was going to be on like a TV show, like a pilot. And HBO really wasn't known for yeah. television then, so it was kind of new. To me, more than anything, I thought it was so cool because once the show got picked up and we started filming, that was my senior year of high school, and then it started airing in January of my senior year. Oh, shit. And like all my friends that came to see me play Annie 800 times at the Y and like all my bullshit shows and everything, it was so cool to like 
have them come over and see something great. Well, wait that a minute. Wait. So, so you freshman sophomore? Were you? Would you say you're a, a, a really popular girl at that point? I was popular. You were popular. Yeah. I was popular, but I wasn't like a bitchy popular. I feel like I was like I was still I a nice girl. I don't and, see like you. friends with everybody, right. but I my f- close friends were the popular people. Did you go out with athletes? No, our school wasn't like that. We had terrible sports teams. <laughs> terrible. So even the sports teams didn't have athletes. Yeah, you know what you're saying? Just, There's no athletes on these athletic teams. Good. They weren't very good. Right. So you weren't really um, okay. No, I went out with like the bad boys. Mm. I went through a phase like that in high school. Yeah. Just all like the bat the guys that like seemed like they would be hard to get. Like I liked the challenge. And when you got Sopranos, now you're a senior. Mm-hmm. And was everybody just like it was not hard to go to school? You're now a celebrity. People still weren't watching it then, the beginning of the first No one season. could afford HBO. <laughs> I don't know. It was just kind of like it wasn't until I think the second or third season that it really started to feel like it was like important to people. Because even right before the second season, we started shooting. So I got accepted to NYU, and I didn't. I didn't, by the way. I'm so, you really? You applied and didn't bright. get in? I'm not that bright. I'm sorry. Two, I graduated high school with a two-two, but I did oh. go to college in Kentucky. They accepted a two-two. <laughs> Thank God someone did. And look at you now. Yeah, Who look cares? at me. I'm interviewing you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I got into NYU and I wasn't in the Tisch Arts program or anything because I felt like I'd never taken any formal acting training and I didn't want to go into acting school and have them tell me everything I was doing wrong and just, while I'm working. You know, it just felt like it was going to kind of fuck yeah. me up. So I was a psychology major and I moved into the dorms. I was so excited and I was like running around my floor introducing myself to everybody. It was co-ed. And the first person's room that I walked into, the guy had like all these Sopranos posters all up on his wall. Of you? Like, I mean, I was in some of them, yeah. And I was like, hi. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, oh, next door. I, this I like awkward. love you or something. Did you, <laughs> was, 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 he, was he cool though? He was cool. Just... He was cool, if I can remember. But I had to defer from school because after about three or four months, the, te- the professors were like, what show? Like, no, because I had to explain, like, listen, my show can't work around my class schedule. So sometimes I'm going to have to miss, but I will be responsible. I'll make up my work. And they're like, no, that doesn't fly here. So I failed two courses within, like, a month. And then what one – dicks. Kind of. But I honestly think if the show was more pop, if it was, like, the third or fourth season, they would have yeah. done yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do they ever yeah. ask you to come back and speak? No, no, I honestly left like really abruptly. Like it was a day where I overslept. My roommate had taken my alarm clock. I I took the subway to work because they weren't picking me up then even. I didn't have a cell phone. I was late. They were waiting for me at work and and I just like lost it and was bawling my eyes out. My mom came to pick me up from work later that night. We drove to my dorm room. I put everything in trash bags and just like pieced. Like I and that was it. That's that it. No it. more college. Literally, I just I'm like, done. I'm going to focus on my career. Mm-hmm. I just can't work around this. They for, won't work around yeah. me. I'm done. Yes, that was kind of like my mo for a little while. Sometimes, like I like it would just be too much, and I would just get out really fast. I didn't know how to do. I with think I do properly. that too. When things that you know, when things get a little heated or too much adversity or too much stress, I just like fuck off. I'm out. I yes, go. I'm gone. Yes. I can't do it. I was like that way in relationships for a very long time. 
Really? Yeah. Like a t- I hit like this two and a half year mark and I'd be like, it's, it's okay. It's just done. Oh yeah. I hit the two and a half month mark. I'm like, oh, and fuck, man, can I can't believe this. This is 10 weeks of shit. I can't. It's too <laughs> you much. You should give yourself a little more. I know I do. I do. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. And it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And, I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small And at times, we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy... Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by neurohacker qualia synaletic i just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences hmm. in herself and, she, and because i noticed my mother was always had brain fog and and she couldn't think clearly and and you know and and i i was like well this stuff works for me and what's great is i didn't even they weren't even a sponsor when i started using this um have you heard of synaletics yet Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, qualia senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, Younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic, 
Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senoletic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You've heard this question a million times. I want to know about it. First of all, I mean, James Gandolfini. Mm. Was, he, was he as amazing? Was he just mm-hmm. oh, as amazing as everyone says? Mm-hmm. This guy, you had, I want to hear something. There had to be a bad day where he came in and goes, where the fuck is this? Never. I want my Reuben. My fuck, there's no mustard on the Reuben. Never. Never, ever, ever had a tantrum about anybody else or demanding of anything else. The only time he would ever have like, and they were minor, just like issues was right. about himself. Like he would be so hard on himself and being like, I can't fucking act today. And like, I'm terrible mm. and fuck. Like, but never about anybody else. Never so about I any- love hearing that. And it, it truly, it set the tone for the whole set and the whole show for the whole run because him and Edie were just such consummate professionals and kind people and generous people. And for me, they were my parents in every sense of the word the second I stepped on that set. You know, because they were who I looked up to as actors, as professionals. I I was 16. I'd never been in a set before. I didn't know what to do. And they were my leaders. And, you know, they just... They just really showed me that it's like your job and you go home. We don't always have to all be best friends. But, like, there's all this respect for each other and all this love for each other. And, you know, I used to think that, like, it had – like, theater sometimes you can feel like, you know, you do a show and these are my best friends for life. And then you move on to the next show and you guys don't talk to each other. And then these are my best friends for life. And I remember feeling like that's how it needed to be. And it's not sometimes, but that's okay. Was it ever intense on set? Just in terms of the acting, there was so much incredible acting that mm-hmm. I had a couple of moments later on when I was like a little more adult, um, where I could start feeling like pressure. I went through a divorce during shooting the show, yeah, you and I didn't. Your manager, yeah. Why would you do that? So so many mistakes about that. Well, you were situation. young. How old were you? I was nineteen when I met him. I was twenty two when I got married, and I got divorced at twenty four. Did he stop representing you when you were divorced? <laughs> well, while, actually, while we were married, one of the steps was stop, and then it just couldn't work out. Still past that. Right. Was but, it just being young? You didn't know who you were. He didn't know. You didn't know. Who, um. What was it? I was trusting other people's decisions for me as opposed to my own still, because I just felt like I, they were older and they maybe knew better. He was ten years older. I also think I didn't know myself enough. And I think as I was coming into my own, there was a certain people that didn't like that. I always say it's like you just people like in their twenties and they get married. I'm like, why are you doing this? Like no, my producer, I'm... Rob here, Rob, how old were you? When you got married? 27. That's well, a bit older that's, though. That's a bit older. And he's a mature guy. He's way more, more my mature husband than I, and I My husband was 26 when we got married. I he's mean, eight years younger than me. That's young. I always say like, especially for women, tell me if I'm wrong, but the girls that I know and my friends, they say a woman really doesn't know who she is until she's at least 30. Yes. Yeah, they change every yes. five years. Is that true? Yes. 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 I just, I can't, my, my dad was married. He was 18. My mom was 23 with two kids and then married my dad and had me. And somehow it lasted 27 years, but it was all fucking dysfunction and crazy. Yeah, oh my God, 18 I mean, my parents just celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary two days ago. Did they get along great? Yeah. No, not all the time. No. <laughs> There's didn't lots of ups and downs in their relationship, but you know, but I think that it's worth it for them to stay together, which I think is, for me, I was too young. It was just like, no, this is not the life that I want. 
like I'm this I'm way too young to lock myself down into a situation that's not healthy. So how did how did it come down? Like it it ended very badly, very very badly. Was it your call? Did you say I'm done? Uh, initially it was his, and then it was mine. So then he tried if that to makes say, sense, okay, kinda. right? Mm-hmm. When I was at work, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. But they was could going probably through. see. They started to see in my work a little bit. And they came down on me and being like, you need an acting coach and this and that. And they started feeling terrible about myself. I remember Oy. James called me and was like, you're going to use my coach. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody uses a coach. Everybody gets to a point where everybody uses a coach. I don't care who you think is like amazing without a coach. Everybody uses a coach. Did he say something to you like, you're not going to get fired. I'm not going to have anybody fired. Don't worry about that. He didn't say that because he knew I wasn't going to get fired. I mean, it was like season five of the show. Yeah, what are they going to do? Replace you with Alyssa Milano? <laughs> exactly. Fuck? But he just wanted to reassure me that it's okay to like ha- need help sometimes. Oh my God, yeah. And it was during the time where like his character was in a coma and I had like all this emotional stuff. And so she was teaching me sort of how to me. use... Why? I'm on season five right now. Oh, really? No. Oh, no, okay. Just, just <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but she was teaching me how to use stuff from my real life and, you know, to put it in. And so I remember there was a scene where I had to do where I was like talking to him and crying. And then once the scene ended, I couldn't stop crying. And like that's just those whole couple of months felt like super intense for me because it happened to be a very intense time on the show and a very intense time in my personal life. And then during all this too, I had been living with MS for three years but hadn't talked about it at all. And because of all the stress that I was going through, the disease was starting to manifest also and like starting to show up. Now you were 20 when you were diagnosed, diagnosed. but you didn't really come out to, I guess, the public till like last year. Mm -hmm. So it took you 16 years. Mm -hmm. I'm really smart with math, Mm -hmm. but 16 years to come out. I can't even imagine, like I have a tough time getting up in the morning in general, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't have MS Mm -hmm. and I can't even imagine being diagnosed as a 20 year old woman and this is right in the middle of your divorce i was diagnosed when i was 20 but during my divorce is when the symptoms really started like i was on medication but it was very i didn't it didn't affect my day-to-day like other than like if i was in extreme heat i'd really start to feel it but other than that it was completely manageable but all of a sudden started things started to happen like pain and things like that that um i didn't know how to deal with and i was terrified to tell people because it just felt like kind of everything was falling apart at the time. So for oh. me, like I said, the same way where I was like, shit's happening, I'm out. It would have been, it was kind of like shit's happening and I'm just not going to talk about it and I'm going to deal with it. And it just stayed inside you, which is the worst thing as we know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I confided, I told James, I told Edie, I told Drea, I told Aida, um, and I told Robert, who played my little brother, who's still one of my best friends. But it didn't affect how I moved around and did things. But you didn't know as, tw- as a 20 year old, you're like, oh yeah, I have this. But did you think, oh my God, I have this? Did no. you really understand I thought, the oh yeah, I have this, but I'll be fine. Right? Yep. Like I'm young. I don't feel it. I, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And, but your parents more concerned, like, oh my God. No, I think they, they, they kind of dealt with it the same way. She'll be fine. Denial. Which is kind of where I get and it from. When was Not the fir- to fault them, but. Right. Well, of course. Well, when was the first time you said, besides the little things, the nuances yeah. along the way that you're like, oh, it's too hot and this. When was the first time you said, now I know I have this? It's, it's very strange. It was right after I finished Sopranos. I was leaving my apartment in New York and I was going to get a cab and I went to run and all, it was like my body was not working and I could not, like, it was like the signal was not getting to my feet to run. And it was like. If it was just very strange to feel like I can't control my body right now. 
I'm trying to tell my body to do something that I've told it to do almost every day of my life and I cannot do it. And it was like a, I thought it was a fluke, whatever. And then literally since that day, I've never been able to run. I mean, I think it's been a slow, progressive like deterioration of things. Like now for me, balance is an issue. You can tell a little bit when I walk that there's an issue. Um, I can't really wear high heels very much, but it's been slow and progressive where the main reason I came out about it was because it just emotionally felt like it was just tearing me apart and I couldn't live with the secret anymore because it started to make me feel like guilty and like shameful when it's, it's it's a disease that I didn't choose to have and I just I couldn't bear these feelings anymore. But also to be completely honest, it's also because I couldn't really hide it anymore. And I was sick of having to like have my doctor send my x-rays of my fucked up back and this is why she's walking this way and this is why she can't do this and that. But the truth of the matter is my back is fucked up because of like the years of compensating from the MS. You know what I mean? And I just didn't want to lie anymore. I didn't want to like have to keep up this facade. And I was just kind of ready to be like, look, if I work again or if I don't, I don't know what this is going to mean once I tell people, but I have to still give myself basically the chance to trust that, you know, life's still going to have stuff to offer me. Like once I kind of just be open and honest, because it just also too, I mean, my kid's young, but I didn't want to get him to get to an age where he felt like he had to keep this secret from me either, you know? And I thought, you know, like what kind of example am I setting for him, like lying about this? So it was, you know, like I said, a number of things, but... What is MS? Like for people, look, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it, which I love and I'm just, it's such an education, but I think a lot of people just don't know exactly know what it is because it doesn't affect them. And it's amazing how... Like I was about, you know, I heard about Alzheimer's and all these things and then my grandfather gets it and now mm-hmm. I'm just constantly researching it and trying to find – and that's a lot of times what it takes is for someone to like – their family has it or someone has yeah. it. And so they're like, oh, now we have to pay attention. Yeah. We just have to pay attention to everything yeah. because anything can happen to us because we're human. So just sort of explain what, what MS sure. is. MS is an autoimmune disease. It's multiple sclerosis is what it stands for. It's essentially the body attacks itself. So, but there's no two cases of MS that are the same. There's, you know, some common symptoms that we could share, but um, essentially the body attacks. So everybody's nerves have something called myelin around it. And if you think it's like an electric cord, just like that thick coating around it, right? That's what protects the signal to go to exactly from one end to the other. So the MS attacks that myelin, so it eats it away. So you, if you think the electrical current that's going to go through, it's going to spark, and that current's not going to be as strong. So for me, it's affected my mobility on my right side with my legs and a little bit on my left, so that's why I can't run because I'm sending that signal to my legs, but it's super slow because of all the myelin that's been worn away. So you know, some people have issues with their upper body. Some people have issues with eyesight. Some People have cognitive issues. I'm super lucky. I think, I mean, sometimes I sit and wonder, like, what kind of MS would I have chosen for myself? Yeah. Because sometimes it can suck that, like, I can't do everything with my kid and, like, my babysitter has to do it. Or, you know, because he'll ask me all the time, like, are your legs better yet? Like, can you run with me? And things like that. And, you know, he's he's wonderful and he gets it. But it kills me because I, I want to be the person that does all that stuff. And by the way... I also miss that. I miss that feeling of freedom of of doing that. I used to be super athletic. I used to be a dancer. I mean, I don't want to like not be able to take detective type roles and things like that that are fun because I physically can't do it anymore and stuff like that. 
Um, but you know, I I believe in modern medicine and I think that there's a lot of hope out there. And for me, I'm working with this doctor that in a couple of months we're talking about some stem cell stuff and we'll see. I mean, but in the meantime, I think I'm just sort of living best I can. And, you know, I've been able to work here and there and I'm going to keep the hope alive. And I just switched agents. You you know, like, you know, the game where I'm like, you know what, (laughs) if you're not feeling me, I'm going to find somebody else that does. And, you know, sometimes like just keep living and trying and finding new energy and new ways to, you know, do stuff. I think you're amazing and you're beautiful. No, I do. Anybody who's ever met you and more importantly, you're brave as shit. And I applaud you because I think it's important for people to know about this. And, and in a lot of ways, you're living vicariously through your son as he grows up, yeah. and like, and, and he runs and he does these things. And you're you're a hockey, fucking I'm a hockey mom. mom. But you gotta get into that because you know I'm a die. Hard I know he he takes lessons at the Valley Center. At the where? The Valley Ice Center is that where you? Oh see? yeah, I used to play there. The I play in El Segundo now. Well, we used to go there. I left but it's my a wallet far. there. That's a nice facility. Do you remember that song? I left my wallet in El Segundo. No, oh, I thought wow, you literally who sings left that. That's a nice facility down there. It's it a little is. too far for us to drive. You've had some relationships. Yeah. I've had some relationships. Sure. I've dated some women in my time. I'm very private too, believe it or not. I'm not private. I'm I know this, you are. But I, 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 yeah, anytime I have a girlfriend or anything, I don't, I don't want to. Well, because it involves another person. So you yeah. want to be respectful of, of them and their feelings. And like you don't want to – like you, I'm an open book about me, but it's not fair for me to like expose somebody else. That's not here. It's true. Well, we're about to expose your. Okay. Husband. I mean, so let's not. Well, my current ahead. husband. Well, that's okay. No, no, no. <laughs> mm. But you dated um, Sanchez, mm-hmm. right? The New York Jets. Now, the, the only reason I'm bringing this that's up is because I, that's who I ran off with after our whole like when we were in like our right. Mafia so bit. instead yeah. of going out with me, folks, <laughs> Jamie Sigler. I'll, I won't use the Lynn because I'm Thank a little you. pissed off. No, no I'm not. How I I'm not. No, but we were supposed to go out, and then she disappeared, and she was going out with um, Mark, mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez. I remember seeing you at a club, and I was like, "Who's that big muscular dude she's with?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's Mark Sanchez from the New York <laughs> Jets." And I was like, "What? Isn't she a fucking giant fan?" That's why I have my Giants hat here, my Mets I see hat that. here. I love it. What? The, I mean, not only I, like I wasn't pissed off. I was just like, "Oh, I guess she likes big, strong dudes, not funny, lanky, weird guys." <laughs> But what attracted you? Sure. You know what I'm talking about. Mark <laughs> Mark is uh, obviously incredibly good looking. Just he's a really charismatic guy. A lot of fun. I mean, Where did you meet? We met. We both were hosting something for like Samsung or something in New York. We happened to be like the male and female hosts of the party. And we just kind of hit it off. And I, I brought like my best gaze like with me. And like the four of us like went out drinking after. And then – he loves New York theater, and obviously I do too. And so, like, wait, he, Sanchez loves New York theater. Loves Does theater. Does he love musicals? Yeah, musicals and plays. Yeah, I was like, I thought it hit the jackpot. Right, obviously, it was sure. like check, 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 check. And he bought tickets for my friends and I, and all of us to go. And it was just like, honestly, you know, it was a really fun summer. I think it was. So it was just a summer you dated. We just dated for like basically a whole summer. I have nothing bad to say about Mark. He's why didn't it work out? I just think it was timing. I mean, I was 20, I had just turned 29, but I was, you know, looking for something serious and he was just starting his career and he was younger. And I think he just wasn't really ready for that. And it's not like either of us were saying specifically, like, I want this and I don't want this, but I think we could feel it. And it just, you know, I think he was 
really focused on going into that next season and, you know, felt the relationship wasn't going to be right. And I was bummed, but understood. What did, everyone, what did everyone in Jericho, Long Island, all these giant fans have to say about that? Oh, people were just like stoked that I was they like, were? dating an athlete for sure. They would have rather you've dated Eli Manning. No. He was married at the time. And not as handsome. That would have been, no, not as handsome. He's a little weird looking. <laughs> Definitely not as handsome. I love handsome. him. He's won two Super Bowls <laughs> for us, but he's not as handsome. He just looks like he's always confused when he takes his helmet uh, off. I think I, I, that's the, I think that's like the Rosenbaum reading face. <laughs> you know, maybe we weren't supposed to read as Rosenbaums, but like when I look at all my other family members, my grandfather, my dad, my uncles, they all have that face like, <laughs> like, like they have to take a shit while they're reading something. I'm like, am I going to do that? And sometimes I find myself going... It's I'm not a terrible. Making, I have a resting a bitch face. Let me see Everybody the resting bitch face. Let me see. I'm angry. Oh yeah. That's, That's why I think I don't have like a very good Uber rating because I feel like they always assume I'm like angry in the backseat because I don't talk or anything. How do you check your Uber rating? I just learned. What do you have? I'm like a four seven. That's out of five, isn't it? Yeah, but apparently it's not very good. Four point seven. That's like an A minus. My husband's like a four nine. I wonder what I am. Can we check? Yeah. On my phone. Yeah. How do you do it? Go to your Uber. Right. We're going to do this right now. And go up to your profile and it'll say a number right underneath here. it. You're a 483. Those fuckers. Why am I a four, no, why am I not a good. perfect five? Four, eight. But everyone assumes, like, even when I lived in New York, like, I would walk down the street and people would be like, smile, it ain't so bad. And I'd be like, I'm fine. Like, what do you mean? I'm yeah. happy. Like, I just have a terrible face. But I guess, I don't know. So Dirty Sanchez is a nice guy. Great guy. Great guy. I have nothing I have, bad to say about him. His family's wonderful. He's wonderful. I had a great time with him. That's nice to say. That's I, nice I Generally. generally. I, I, a lot of times become friends with the girls that I've dated. I We're just, not friends anymore. Like, we don't talk anymore or anything. Oh, no? But his best <laughs> yeah, friend I and think... I are really good friends still. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. I'll take that from the relationship like any day. That. He's a great guy. You played Heidi Fleiss. Mm-hmm. Call me. Rise and fall of Heidi Fleiss. Did you ever meet Heidi Fleiss? No. Really? You didn't it was do any research? unauthorized. Did you? Uh, I did research. I watched like her, uh, the videos she made, uh, like with sex tips and stuff. And I read her book. Did you have sex with random people for money? I didn't go that far. I wasn't very method then. I hadn't seen the acting coach then. <laughs> was it an uncomfortable role to play? A bit. Because uh, I was 20 and still kind of like, un- like, you know, like coming into my own skin. I mean, there's plenty of 20-year-old actresses that are super comfortable and 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 I just wasn't there yet. Right. Um, but it, it was a, it was, it was like my first time really carrying something myself. It was just, I remember being a lot of work. Um, it's that, scary. And I, by the way, I got cast like two weeks before we started filming. So I, I didn't have like a shit ton of time to prepare. And... Are you one of those people who uh, learn their lines the night before for the next day? Yeah. Or do you learn... I have a freakish memory. I have a freakish memory of memory, photographic memory. You not... have a photographic memory? Yes. You're f- but I, I but wish I had But if you tell that. me like how did we meet or I have so many times people will be like, we've met before. And I'm like, fuck, sorry. But you... I can uh, memorize lines super easy. My problem is it's not that I can't learn lines. I learn them, but I stress out with lines. Where it's like I, I get them and I want to, I just want to know them so well that I could forget about them and do like improvise and things. Yeah. I always wish I was photographic. Like I had a photographic memory because I think people like with that are just – it's so easy. You it's could, easy. You, you could look – honestly, you could look over a page. Mm-hmm. How many times before you, you memorize Four or five it? times. And then you know it. Mm-hmm. Verbatim? Mm-hmm. That's a gift. It is. I'm very lucky. I know how lucky I am. I – believe it or not. Whenever I get a role, I learn the entire script. I did a show called Impastor for two years in Kitchen on Hulu. It got canceled, but it's still a good show. I love it. I read that pilot and remember thinking it was so funny. It was dark and it was like – it was really interesting. So great. But I remember I would 
work with my assistant. I'd say, Jess, I want to learn the whole episode. I would learn. I'm not going to get ready for this. No, no. I would learn four episodes in a row because they were locked in before we went and shot. So I'd know four or five. How do you memorize that much though? Because I'd I'd remember five scripts. I'd have five scripts memorized by the time we went into production so I didn't have to do anything. That's an incredible talent though that you can retain all of that information. Maybe, but I didn't want to go home at night knowing I'm so tired after a 16 hour day. I don't want to memorize that night. I'm going to be bad tomorrow. So I want to kind of know it. Well, let me tell you, like if I look at like my week schedule and I see I've got heavy scenes later in the week and lighter scenes in the beginning, I'll start learning them like earlier in the week because yeah, you mean by the time the end of the week goes on and you're going to bed late and having the, you know, and your hours aren't that normal. Yeah. I'll prepare in that way, but I don't think I could do what you do. That's, that's amazing. Oh, thank you. Have you ever been fired? No, mm. but I've heard I've been like close to being fired. <sighs> well, who but Dick told know, you that? What the fuck you almost got fired, Sigler. I know. Sigler alert. I was like, but I didn't. Dick? Yeah, I did. I got fired. You got fired? Yeah. Early in your career. No, I got actually fired uh, three years ago. It was a show and uh, they just offered it to me. And yeah. it was like Gary Sanchez Productions. So it was Will Farrell's company. Yeah. And um, every day the director would go, oh my God, my wife and I watched the dailies, which are like scenes you did from the previous sure. day. And they're like, hilarious. You're stealing the show. Every day, oh my god, you're holy! Oh my, wait till you see this. And then after we shot the pilot, the producer who I love, I love everybody, but they go, um, "Hey, we're gonna go in and do some voice stuff and uh, get rid of some lines." And I go, "What lines are we getting?" And we start getting rid. And I found out that they wanted to get rid of all these lines because my character was too much of a dick or politically incorrect. Yeah. So the character that I signed on for was now being sort of softened. Yeah. Watered and down. Watered down. And I go, uh, "What's going on? What's going on?" And then we were waiting for the pickup, and at like five o'clock they said, "And uh, NBC has picked up Mission Control with Kristen Ritter, Michael Rosenbaum, Bruce Campbell, and it was a great time." And and by the way, I, I had a screening Wednesday at my house. The producers go, "Hey, want to? Can we screen in your house?" So I said, "Sure." I, I bought pizzas for everybody. We watched it, and it was watered down. I was like, ah, "Fuck, man, this roll's watered down." I was a little bummed, but I was like, "Ah, you know it's." So then we hear on Friday that it get it gets picked up in the last second, but they only picked it up for five episodes. And I'm like, five episodes? I get a call one minute later. The producers, Rosie, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, how's it going? My stomach hurts right now. They go, Rosie, story. I don't even know how to tell you this, so I just want to tell you, I love you to death. We love you. We're as shocked as you are. We got to let you go, buddy. And I go, what? They go, NBC, they just think the character's too politically incorrect they want to make the character different and they said they'll only pick it up if we get rid of you and and i said i go i go and i I immediately stopped the conversation and i said guys i love the shit out of both of you you know that we had a blast let's not make this weirder than it already is it's not fucking weird the shit happens i love you both i know i'll work with you again i love you that's it it's all good great attitude i hung up the phone and i sat there and I was just like, it was like, it was a numbing feeling. It was just yeah. one of those moments where I go, hang on a second. I stopped myself. This is a little, one of the nuances of maturity that I'll have in my life. Like, cause me, I'm like a giant kid, but I sat there and I go, I looked down, I looked at my dog who was staring at me and I go, you love me, dude. Mm. I love that dog right there. I got this awesome dog and I have a fun house and I have great friends and I'm alive. And this is just something that happened. And fuck it. 
And I just, and the hardest part about it all is it's not about getting fired or not, by the way, they didn't pick up the show. They never picked it up. They never aired any. The worst part is people just going, dude, congratulations, man. I heard your show was, that's the only bad thing. Cause then you gotta go, yeah, I was fired. That's why I like, sometimes I don't even tell people when I'm like auditioning for stuff or anything. Never. Cause it's just like, you just don't want to deal with the questions. My mom still asks me, did you get that role? I'm like, <laughs> mom, Saving Private Ryan aired 20 years ago. Of course I didn't get it. What about the other thing with the Affleck? I, don't know, <laughs> I didn't get that either. The, the fucking Goodwill Hunting, he gave it to Casey. I just won an Oscar. You're married to a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. He's retired now. He, he retired? He did. He retired last year. How old is he? 20? He just turned 28. 28. His name is Cutter. Mm-hmm. That is the coolest. Isn't it a really name. cool name? Was Lenny Dykstra, who's his father, mm-hmm. was he drunk when he named him Cutter? No. Because that's he, a weird name. Correct. And I, I dig it. Yeah. I, well, at first I said, is it the, the pitch? Because oh, there's the a cutter. pitch called the Cutter. Right? And he said no. Uh, when Terry, Cutter's mom, was pregnant, um, they were watching a Lifetime movie. And the bad guy's name was Cutter. Cutter. And they loved it. Cutter, stop being such a dick. <laughs> they love Cutter. They loved Cutter. It's a good name. It's a great name. What's his middle name? Kyle. Cutter Kyle Dykstra. Strong name. Uh, where'd you meet? We met because one of my uh, best friends, Joanna Garcia, is an actress. I know. Joanna, I work married with her, yeah. to Nick Swisher. And Nick and Cutter, for years, were hitting together in the off-season when Lenny went through his times and the house was taken and, you know, money was kind of gone for the family, Cutter moved in with Nick and Joe during the off season because he was training at UCLA and he grew up in Westlake and he didn't have his car anymore. Um, and I was over all the time because she's one of my best friends. So it was no mean a setup. I mean, I was 30, he was 22. Did you hook up before you started really dating? Was it kind of just a fling? No, it fun? all happened at the same time. It all was just like, yeah. oh my God. Because I was just like, I was like just coming off this like super dry spell. I was 30. I was like, my friends were starting to get married and engaged. And I wasn't actually feeling the pressure, but I was just kind of feeling like frustrated like with life in general. And uh, they were like, just fuck him. Like, you know, like <laughs> you he's serious? so cute and he's so young and he like loves you. And I was like, no, you guys, it's not what I do. Um, just but- fuck him. <laughs> Who said that? So many of my friends, all my girlfriends. I love your friends. They're great. Most girls are like, no, don't. I didn't. No, they were all like, my gr- friends him. are great. Yeah. They're like, Janie, come on. Like I said, I was coming off like a dry spell. Right. But him and I, it was like always end up being, we were always hanging out because Nick and Joe's house was always like the place where everybody kind of met up. And we were just always end up like in the corner, like talking and hanging. And When was the first know? kiss? Where were you? In Nick and Joe's living room. Was, was it a good one? Yeah. Where you're like, oh my God, that felt great. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't think, I'm marrying this guy or anything. It was no, just a fucking kiss. No. And then he left two weeks later for spring training. All right. And during those two weeks, we were like inseparable because there was no games to be played because he was leaving. So right. we we're like, yeah, let's hang out tomorrow. Let's hang out tomorrow. Let's hang sure. out tomorrow. And during that time, I got this pilot. Um, I was told that I like was never funny. And then all of a sudden, I got a sitcom. So it was like an exciting, like triumphant moment for me. And then um, his dad went to jail. Lenny went to jail. What year mm-hmm. was that? So this was 2011. Now, if you don't know Lenny Dykstra out there, let me just tell you, I'm a diehard New York Mets fan. Die hard. Okay. And in 86, one of two times the Mets actually won the World Series. If you're a Mets fan, all we, we just have shitty seasons. We're always below 500. Everything catastrophic happens to the Mets. In 86, somehow we won. 
And I remember game three, even like we're down two games to nothing against the the Red Sox. And we went to, you know, and then the game, game three was in Boston and we're down two mm-hmm. nothing. And it was like the first pitch of the game. It was like, here's Lenny Dykstra and here's the pitch. And a line drive and right field back goes Henderson. Gone. Lenny Dykstra. Home run. Lenny Dykstra. And I was like, this is the beginning of the comeback. And it was. And the Mets somehow came back miraculously and won. And I was the biggest Lenny Dykstra fan. I have a jersey. I knew you because of the mafia games and, and asking you on a date that we never went on. And I got this Jersey and I brought it over and you had Lenny sign it and it's hanging up. It's in the other room, Awesome, the Len Dykstra. <laughs> and, uh, he's just, he's a legend. So yeah. it was sad to see like, you know, I mean, he was a wild boy. There's yeah. this, there was this old video, eighties video. And it was like, wow, boys from Duran Duran. Yes, and I've it seen was, it. it was nails. He was called nails. Cause mm-hmm. he was a tough guy, big dip in his mouth. Just like, didn't give a shit. None of those players on that team gave a shit. No. So, and I guess it got the best of them later in all life. All of them. And uh, all of them. Doc Gooden, yeah. Daryl Strawberry. I think Backman got a little messed up. But uh, but Dykstra. So what happened to Lenny? Um, let me start by saying this. I don't think Lenny's a bad person. Um, I think he has some demons. We all do. Um, I think that uh, he had some substance abuse issues. Um, you know, when he was playing baseball – Um, And I'm not saying anything that he hasn't said, you know, because I would never. Um, But, you know, there was just like a lot of drugs and a lot of uppers and downers and things to sort of get through pain and injuries and accidents that he was in and things like that. And so he had a severe opiate addiction. And then he also had an addiction, I think, to money. I mean, he's a really like freakishly genius type of guy who was able to kind of like figure out this other like weird career and make like $100 million off like car washes and – and then it just got into like planes and magazines and this and that. And it just got to be too much. And he wasn't sleeping and he was never leaving his office. And, you know, his family was there living in this $30 million house. And like just everything kind of got away from him. It, you know, tore his family apart in very many ways and was really hard for all of them. But one of the things that I've always been like very um, in awe of of my husband is just his like – forgiveness for his dad and still love for his dad despite like everything that they've been through and so I think because me like being his partner I have to feel the same way you know and support that because you know Lenny does come over and he loves my son and and he tries he tries the best he can to connect and be like a normal guy and you know we were with him the days that he just got out of jail and you know it definitely affected him and changed him um but he also loves to be sensational and he loves to, you know, say wild things. And, you know, I'm sure you've, I haven't, but I've heard, like, listen to him on Stern and all the things. And, you know, he, he is who he is. Have you and- seen the darkest of him? Have you seen the, the funniest of him, all of the emotions of him? I've, I've never seen the dark. I've heard all the stories of the dark. I've never seen the dark. But I've seen, like, different shades of him for sure. Um, but one thing I can always say is like Lenny is so respectful of me, um, always so kind, like always asking and inquisitive about how I'm doing and what is my life and wanting to like give advice whether I take it or not. Like he's just, like I say, he's not a bad guy. Um, he's just has some shit that, you know, he's still trying to figure how to work through and, you know, he's still standing to this day and he's still figuring it out. And I hope he does, um, not only for himself, but, you know, for his family and to mend those relationships because, you know, there's, 
things that he's taken from his sons that, you know, I hope he can give back one day. Right. And Cutter still sees him? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not a ton. Lenny's now on the East Coast. But, you know, sometimes he's like, I don't know where he's living. I don't know what he's doing. But, like, he checks in. He checks in all the time and he gets by and... I mean, look, if you're a New Yorker and you're a Mets fan, it's like you'll you'll never forget those years that he gave us. And, you know, people go through hard times and people deal with a lot of shit. Everybody does. Yeah. You know, nobody's perfect. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, he knows that. But uh, And I'm sure he's pissed a lot of people off and those people have every right Um, to be pissed at him, you know. But one thing I've always respected and and appreciated about him, especially when Cutter was playing baseball. And Cutter's younger brother now plays in the minor league system for the Cardinals. And he's 21. So it's clearly in the blood. And my son has, since he's not even two years old, you pitch him a ball and he can hit it. Like, no tea. Like, it's it's in the it's blood. In the blood. Like, it's Natural really ability. freaky. But the advice he would always give Cutter, I would hear it, and it was smart and rational and, and made a lot of sense. And it was never about, like, you got to get to the big leagues. There's never any pressure. It was just about the game. And, That's like, his, he's so smart about the game. And I wish what an amazing he could hitter. just get yeah. it together because he would be such a good coach. He would be such a good coach. But also, even when Cutter decided to retire, like, he just said a lot of things to him. Like, he wasn't disappointed. He was like, look, man, you're getting a head start at your second chapter that like a lot of guys don't get. And like, sometimes maybe I wish I got like where I felt like I had to like keep up a life where you're going to get to start something and you're young and you're going to do great things for your family and just always very positive and supportive of his kids. And for that, I really appreciate him. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's nice to hear. Nice yeah. to hear. And so, so Bo. Bo Dykstra. I mean, come on. That's another good one. Cutter and Bo Dykstra. <laughs> I mean, Bo Dykstra. You just want to see him succeed. He's such a dude, too. Is he? Like, all my guy friends just love him. He's such a dude. <laughs> but he's obsessed with hockey. See, see, now that, it's amazing because Cutter, Lenny, baseball, and now Bo, hockey. How yeah. did Bo get into freaking hockey? Well, Cutter loves the Kings. And okay. my dad loves the Rangers, like diehard Ranger fan. I we diehard Ranger fan. So Bo oh, knows yeah. all the range. Bo's been Bo's been to more Ranger games than he has King games. I like when we play. Like I'm always Henrik, the goalie. Henrik. Like, but Henrik. Lundqvist. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's he has a McDonough jersey. Oh, you yeah. know, like, but he he skates. He takes skating lessons because he's not four yet. But when he turns four, he could join the Little Kings. Oh man! And Jim, but he's he's great. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, like I get him in the gear. It's it's here's so what I want annoying, you to do though. Here's what I want great. you to do. If you're really going to be a hockey mom, yeah, you've got to bring back the old Jamie Lynn Sigler from back in the day. You know the accent that you changed, yeah, like the dog, the yeah. walking the dog. And I want you to be screaming in the stands. Come on, Bo! Come on, Bo! Knock him on his ass! You know what's so funny? He said to me the other day because all we do all day is either play baseball or hockey or some maybe ninja superhero in between. But right. then it's always back to one of the other two. He said to me, "Hey, mom," I was like, "Yeah, are you going to cheer really loud for me when I'm in little leagues?" And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> Am I going to embarrass like, you? Okay, I didn't know where he was going with that because I don't know if he understands like how to be embarrassed yet. But I was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I am." He's like, "Okay, just checking." That's amazing. Okay. Because I saw one of your tweets talking about what's in terms of what a hockey mom does. Oh, well, I was looking for like – they don't make like undergarments for him that little. 
Like, what do you mean? Like the, the onesies, the onesie long john? Well, like, no, I wanted to get him like under, like he likes- Under Armour? Yeah, like Under Armour stuff. But I ended up somehow like, it was like a loophole in like the website. It was like a secret door that I opened that I found like the toddler size. I really? don't know. It was like a freak. Because I've checked many well, times and I couldn't find it. Was he cold? Well, yeah, under his pads. I want him like warm. Well, here's <laughs> the deal. You sweat. And then I just like, within about- I know. I le- I used to have him in like a down coat under no. his, and then the, his coach Dave was like, yo. Jamie, within- Two minutes, within two minutes, within two minutes, get it up, warm. Because he throws himself into the boards. Like, he just, like, he wants to, like, be pl- – like, he – the only way he learned how to skate was if the the, co- the his skating coach, like, put him in the bench and, like, called him out. Like, everything has to be, like, a game of imagination for him. Right. And then he then he gets pumped up to go. So what, what, I don't even want to ask what do you have next, what's going on next, because you're a mom and isn't that – Everything. It's a lot. Yeah, well, what else but are you it's doing? not. You've written a book. Not... You've written a book. You were, years yeah. ago. You did. Oh, last. I do want to ask you something. What? Because I had this band, The Sandwich, and we're fun. We, you know, I don't, we play for fun, but we get, we're playing in Germany on this three city tour. Oh my god, cool. We're, we're like Southern rock, '80s influence. We're like a certain music, but it's we love it. We have a good time. I know that you recorded an album, and then yes. I read somewhere that you were embarrassed by it. It's so embarrassed. But why would you be embarrassed for something? Because most people don't fucking do anything. They don't. They won't do it. Because I didn't. It's not. I'm like a Broadway singer. Like it just like wasn't me. It was like trying to like fit in at the time of like the Britney Spears, whatever is like a pop album. And it just, it was like, I was in the middle of shooting Sopranos and I should have been doing like cooler things than like what that. What was one of the songs on, the, on your album called? Cry Baby. How'd it go? Oh God, don't even ask me. It was like, like Cry it was, Baby. Bah, bah, bah. Pretty much. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. But you did it. See, but I did it. You did whatever. It, a lot of people see, look, in December I said, fuck it, man. I am... I'm petrified to be a stand-up comedian. I've talked about this probably. Really? Don't talk about it again. I thought you like always were a stand-up Well, no, comedian. I've never done stand-up. I said, I'm going to do it because it scares the shit. I mean, I'm going to do music. And I did them both. And I'm just, it's scary. But I said, and so I applaud you for- That's great. You making too. Making album, man. You just got to do it. We're all going to die, man. Who gives a shit? You're right. Man? I do have that attitude lately. But I will say, like, being a mom is not enough for me. I love being a mom. But I want other things too. Like I want my own career still and I want my own stuff. You know, I want – I still – because I'll, I'll go through months where I don't work and then a job will come along and I'll do it and I'll be like, fuck, yeah, I really do love this. Yeah. And I, I just learned like some some people – like my sister-in-law just like love being a mom and that's enough for them. And like I went through the guilt of feeling like that should be enough for me. Like why am I – like am I a bad mom because it's not enough for me but – it just isn't. I'm just being honest. Like I just – I need other things because I feel like when I do get those other things, I am a better mom. And he's better for it because other – like he went through this phase where like he couldn't be with anybody but me and that's not healthy for either of us. Yeah. And I was fucking tired and my patience was worn thin. But when I get breaks, I'm like such a better mom. You need you time, don't you, Jamie? Lots of it. Uh, what's your social media handle? Where can people find you? Um, my Twitter is Jamie L. Sigler because Jamie Lynn Sigler is too long. <laughs> and my Instagram is Jamie Lynn Sigler. This has been incredibly insightful. I was uh, – It's great. I, I really feel like I know you now. I feel like uh, – Yeah. You know? I hear you. It just – it's like – it's Next time we'll talk more about you. I don't think we need to do that. Yeah. Well, I, for me. I don't know. I'm learning about me every day. Invite me to your next game night then. Really? Maybe I'll have a game night. Have a game Maybe night. Maybe we'll host it. Like old times. Yes. Yeah. I'll bring Cutter. I'd love to. I, ha, I haven't met Cutter. He loves Cutter. games. I'd love to hang out with Cutter. Yes. I would. What about Lenny? Would he come? <laughs> if he's in town, I'm sure he would love to. Uh, I, I want to meet Lenny someday. Okay. You will. I mean, that's nails, man. That's you nails. will. <laughs> Look, this has honestly been 
not only insightful, but I think you're an incredibly brave woman. Thanks. And you're beautiful and talented and I'm glad you did this. Me too. I, I want to thank you for allowing me to be inside of you, Jamie Sigler. It was a pleasure. Jamie Lynn Sigler. <laughs> Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker, although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord, we get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.